Hello, and welcome to Our Voices in Our Community, presented by Colors VA Magazine. Our Voices in Our Community focus on community issues to include, but not limited to, social, political, and economic, and economic issues. And today, I have three other special guests here, along with myself, and um, we have two who are missing. Will is gone. He has, he has some important work he's doing today. And Catherine, I think Catherine's in Seattle. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, she's my, in your old stomping ground. My yeah. old stomping grounds. Yeah. And I wish her well. It's a beautiful city, and uh, I wish I was there right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish them both. I wish her safe travels back, and we'll see her next time. But we have we have Jose Benello Benello. Benelos. Yes. If I'm saying that right? That is yes. not. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> let him get away. Buenos. Buenos. <laughs> you know what? I'm trying. <laughs> good try. That's good. <laughs> but you might, you might die. <laughs> Jose. Jose, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself to introduce to the group. Hi there. Um, <clears throat> I'm a professor at Rona College. I teach in the Modern Languages Department. I'm also the uh, chair of the Modern Languages Department. And I, um, I also um, uh, collaborate with uh, Casa Latina in uh, Latino issues. Um, uh, we are very glad that we're moving forward. We were kind of um, out of radar for uh, several months because we were trying to put a good agenda together. And I think at this point we do have one. So I'm very positive that, that in the next week we can launch you know, a new vision of Casa okay. Latina. Good, That's nice. good. That's very good. And we look forward to seeing how this mm-hmm. rolls out. Yeah, great. Karen Cobb, how are you? I'm doing well today. Yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name's Karen Cobb, a resident of Roanoke City. Um, I'm a survivor of my son being killed by gun violence. I uh, believe in social activism. Uh, I've recently found my voice in trying to use it in a positive manner. Uh, professionally, I am an HR professional for a major um Fortune 100 insurance company, and uh, I have a love of process improvement as well. Good. Thank you for joining us today. And last but not least, um, is pitch hitting for us today is Karen Jones. Karen, how are you? I'm good. How are y'all doing? Y'all. Y'all. We we y'all doing well. (laughs) It's, you know, it's how I relate to my people. No, that's all right. That's all right. Karen, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, So, well, one, I'm excited because you've got the Karens here today. So we already know it's going to be. So you guys going to take over the mic? Is that what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. (laughs) But um, for folks that don't know me, I first of all work for Colors Virginia Magazine, which is an amazing opportunity. Um, And then I'm from Christiansburg and I am all about community and try to focus on issues that are really important to us in the New River Valley, Um, working really hard um, to be an advocate with the Montgomery County, Rafford City, Floyd County, NAACP and um, doing the good fight, the good work, wherever, wherever I'm called. So well, thank you for yeah. joining us, Karen. Thank you for pitch hitting for us today. And of course, I'm moderating this conversation. Hopefully, I, I think I'm moderating this conversation. <laughs> um, my name is Robert Jeffrey Jr. and I'm publisher of Colors VA Magazine. Uh, raised in Roanoke, went to Hampton University, spent many, many years in Seattle, Washington. 
uh, really learned really about diversity and inclusion out in Seattle, Washington. Came back and decided to start uh, this publication here in Virginia to talk about diversity. And so we're trying, we're going to have a diverse conversation here on a range of subjects. And let's get into it. Let's talk about the recent uh, story that hit on, uh, that was reported on April 1st. It was about the 209 arrests that it was a collaboration from the federal, state, and local governments. Um, about uh, over the past two months, over 209 arrests to, uh, that happened in Roanoke Valley. Um, they believe it presented a worse risk of violence, presented a worse risk of violence here, and, and the police chief is saying that uh, gives us uh, some time to focus on gun violence and also um, drug possession that's been going on in our community, and I think they're making an attempt to do away with these, uh, these things. So um, going around the table, I guess the question is, is this is this a good way that they're doing it? Is it a proper way of doing it? Or are, are we all in agreement that um, these 209 arrests um, is going to just help solve these issues? Well, I, you know, that's a good question. Um, obviously, there was a, a lot of collaboration going on. I th said there's 14 different uh, agencies on a local, state, and federal level, um, including the state attorney's office, the state troopers, uh, you name it, the ATF, the DEA, the FBI, and all those other acronyms. Um, you know, they all worked collaboratively uh, to um, uh, move this effort forward to, uh, as they said, make our streets safer. Um, and in, in my eyes, getting any one less gun is, is good, right? Um, so they collected, according to the article, they collected 49 guns, got 49 guns off of the street. Um, and so... Uh, the proof is in the pudding, so they say it's going to make our streets safer this summer, and I guess we'll just have to wait to the summer to see what the results are. Um, are we going to have less violence this summer in those areas than we did? I, I think one of the takeaways that I got um, from this whole um, initiative that these law enforcement agencies um, did was that um, they they collected... I, I guess when I read articles, I question things, right? So um, they recovered $80,000 in cash. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I have is, what are they going to do with that money? You know, and, and uh, that, that's always been a point of interest. You know, uh, what do police departments do with this money? Do they invest it back into their department? Do they get new cars? You know, what happens to that money? And why not take some of that money and reinvest it back into the community where, exactly. Yeah, where it can mm. where it can do some good. So mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to leave that there. I'm I'm excited that there's guns off the street. The drug arrest, it, it's not really clear. It's not like, how many in one area, how many in another area. It's just all bundled into one. And if you really want to find out, you have to go out to each of those um, localities' webpage and look at all of the arrests. And it's not really clear. And I, I would love to see more reporting um, to dig a little deeper into that and give some numbers. What neighborhoods had what 
amount of arrest. Um, just a little, little bit more information, I think, would be good. Uh, uh, Jose, you want to chime in? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I go back to when I when I when I teach uh, my Latino experience class. Um, one of the things that I have to work with my students um, is to help them understand that. Um, uh, uh, in this case, Mexicans when or Puerto Ricans or Dominicans, you know, because drugs actually follow those routes as well. If you mm-hmm. want to go to the eastern part, mm-hmm. you have to go to the Caribbean first. You know, you got to go to Puerto Rico, you got to go to the Dominican Republic, and that's where it, most of the flow comes. So I tell them, um, we have to find a way to uh, change our mentality, number one, that not every Hispanic or Latino is going to be selling drugs out on mm-hmm. the streets. No, Now, to the fact that um, um, there are drugs that are being sold out out in the streets, we always touch upon the uh, the um, on the aspect of culture. You know, what is it that we have to change about this culture? What have we allowed? You know, in order for this problem to be a very serious problem and so rooted. No, not just in this society, but so rooted as well. Because whatever happens here, to a certain degree. Um, you have another negative effect in these Latin American countries. Okay, mm. So if your market is here, if the need to consume that drug is here, then what type of culture must, must we be looking at? And not just at the fact of um, continue to invest so much money into um, uh, uh, these type of programs in the police force, you know, that the numbers will probably come down just a bit, but the problem will continue to persist one way or another, okay? So then how do we change the culture of the consumers in a way that this is going to decrease our problems that we are facing in this community, but at the same time, you are helping these Latin American countries decrease their problems there as well. Go ahead, Karen. Yeah, no, I think you are so right, Jose, because it's all interconnected. And I think we don't focus on all of the issues that um, surround this and particularly, you know, for as many drugs and guns and money that they took off the streets. Um, one of my bigger question is, one, because I'm, I'm just interested in the process, like how did they target? Um, because it doesn't seem like it was a sting operation. Were these all individual players or is this going to help to break up something bigger so that we can, you know, kind of address those issues? Um, secondly, though, in this attempt to make our summer more bearable, is this going <laughs> to help to address the real issues, right? Because... There's a reason that people sell and take drugs. There's reasons for that. Um, Unfortunately, the violence piece of it is part of this um, drug culture, Mm. you know, and it's it's horrible. But um, in in these 200 non arrests, how does that address the issue? I mean, and I'm not mad at the arrest because um, we want drugs and guns and everything off the streets. But how how does this make our summer more bearable? And do we just want a nice, sunny 
carefree summer or do we want a nice, sunny, carefree year, you know, and our lives be that way also. But are we are we actually replacing? Um, I see. I understand 209 people are, are being arrested um, and they mentioned that uh, a third of it is going to be going through the federal mm-hmm. and then also local uh, municipalities. My question question is, is that actually going to stop or are we just replacing another individual um, to take their role, and 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 that's and that's something that I I, I quite are we really really looking at some of the root issues like a lot of people who actually you know some people and I can't speak for drug dealers of course I'm, Good. <laughs> I'm, Good. I'm not a you. spokesman for the drug dealers association <laughs> <laughs> however are they unionized well, I don't think they're unionized <laughs> but however, however there's a hierarchy yeah, 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 there's a hierarchy let me there, tell you there's yeah, a hierarchy yeah, there's a hierarchy uh, but however there, I think a lot of reasons why people do that is because they need to feed themselves and their families mm-hmm. and their loved ones, mm-hmm. and that's a way of generating um, economic. Um, that's the only economic stimulus that we have in in some of these communities. So I, I don't. I, I think we need to really address some of those roots of how we can address that and why they keep going into that business knowing everyone knows the repercussions from doing mm-hmm. it i mean you either go to, you go to jail or you, it's a possibility of being killed i mean it's not it's a it's a high risk business yeah. but yet they still do it because they're seeking this this economic uh reward well i think um <clears throat> we always come back to education and I think it's a, I think it's a phrase that is worn out, coming back to education, education, education. And I, and I think it's important. That's a very important word to actually mention when we deal, uh, when we talk about these problems. The question is, how is education being implemented? No, in order to educate these communities, are you telling these communities that, well, you know, there's there's um, uh, educate yourselves, no, so you can move. It's like, for example, and, and don't uh, um, uh, don't take me wrong on this, no. Um, when it comes to thoughts and prayers, for example, how yeah, is that going to yeah. change the culture? Right. The same thing with education. How is that going to change the culture? Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the money, you know, that this that this department actually sees. Are there any ways in which you can invest that in, in community programs? Exactly. Okay. Yes. Um, I like the fact that uh, if you bring people, especially those that that used to do drugs and now they change their lives, if you can um, uh, invest in their programs and use these people as role models to go back to the communities because they they can go back and talk to them. But what does talk going to do if the condition itself is not changing. I, I agree. And I, I just recently sent a, a model of what you were just talking about, Jose, uh, about getting the, the ex-drug dealers or people who were convicted of going you know, into the neighborhoods. Um, I just sent a, a model of that to one of our city council members 
uh, for review because I think that's an, an excellent, excellent way of, um, you know, addressing the community needs is, is the person, the people who were involved in it previously mm-hmm. going in and and actually educating. And that point about, you know, take that $80,000 and invest it into the, into the community. And that way we're actually creating a cycle of reduction, you know, exactly. um, <laughs> uh, uh, of taking that money and investing it back. And we don't need more police cars. We don't need more um, batons or whatever equipment it is. If you take that money and invest it back, I guarantee you that we'll we'll see some results. And, and I'm talking the federal agencies as well as the local agencies. Just like you had 14 agencies come together to arrest these 209 people and get these 49 or whatever guns it is off the street, come together and take some of those monies that you recuperated mm-hmm. and invest it back into the community. And it's a supply and demand um, issue. Right. So we've got we've got the um, some of the supply taken off of the street, but there's still the demand out there. So as Robert was saying, you know, uh, people are somebody else is going to step up to the plate and take over because of their economic issues. They don't they don't have a way to feed their families. And it's just it's a revolving door. What about the felons? Um, Because are there I understand there's um, programs from felons to work programs. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. Only program I'm aware of is um, is Goodwill, and 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 they're doing that. Um, however, I'm not from. I'm not familiar, and I'm not saying it's not happening. But I'm not familiar if there's other programs in this area that can help felons to uh, to, to have employees take that chance on in on them to to provide work and provide some kind of economic base for them. Um, to, for their for their families. So, there are programs out there, and there are also some companies who say that um, they will hire you know felons. However, some of the problems that kind of run into this is that they look at okay, so what what was their crime? As though there's no redemption from that. So they look at that, and particularly when you're looking at crimes that involve drugs or violence of any type, um, employers are still somewhat hesitant um, to look at to look at um, returning citizens as viable employees, which is an unfair stigma and an unfair burden. And yeah. so you're, you know, creating this cycle. Um, and then some of it's about relationship building, right? Um, so in our communities, we have to have organizations or people who can build the relationships to help returning citizens. And we don't have, um, I don't think we have enough of that. Um, I know in the New River Valley, we have um, a reentry council, and I know that these are kind of all over the place, but I know our reentry council can only really focus on people coming out of jail and not prison. And so then there's a huge difference um, in those in those two and the way people view that, because when you're in jail, it's typically for a shorter period of time, which means um, whatever you did, I'm not going to say it wasn't that big of a deal, but it didn't, um, you know, you weren't locked up for years and years and years and are kind of ingrained in that that system. But the problem is jail probably has a, um, as much of a revolving door as anyone because you're in and out for a few months here, a few months there, um, depending. But we have to build better better relationships and getting the resources out there so that when these things happen 
and these 209 people that were just arrested, when they come home, they don't go back into what they were doing before to feed their families, um, to keep roofs over their heads so that they're not homeless, um, so they can make positive impacts on the community. I mean, we see it all the time what redemption can do, right? But it's the stigma. It's, I mean, I don't want to stereotype because people who were convicted of drug charges, there's mm-hmm. a perception of of that who what that person looks like, True. and and more and more than not, it's mostly a person of color, and so when you say drug, I mean drug charges, and we understand they did a crime, um, it's not murder, Mm-mm. and yet we uh, companies the drug charges. Okay, we're not going to deal with that. Are we are we stereotyping our own <laughs> the felons? You know that we talk about a felon reentry program, but you know if someone was was convicted of tax evasion, oh, they can get a job tomorrow. <laughs> they like, can get a job tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but still, it's about money at the but, end of the day. Well, but I think so. Let, look at the whole thing. So people of color and then people who um, are on kind of the lower economic end of things, right, tend to not have as many chances as those who are, you know, well off, a little more well off and have had the access to um, education and ha- come from places where opportunities will be freely given because, you know, maybe... My dad's best friend owns a company, so he knows me, knows us, so he's willing to give me another chance. But we stigmatize people of color. Um, We stigmatize poor people, even um, within the criminal justice system, in the way that we're sentenced. Like, all of that plays a role, and so we have to find ways to end the systemic racism that exists, but also the way that it hurts lower economic people because um, poor people are hurt just as much as um, people of color because they don't have the means to pull themselves mm-hmm. out in the same ways. Yeah. And according to those means, you know, if we go back to education, um, if we look at the uh, school system and the uh, lack of resources you know, that these communities have um, or that these schools have, um, they can't compete, you know, with with these other districts, you know, or middle class and upper class, you know, schools in which they have all kinds of resources available for them in order to help the students achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is what you don't see in the schools, you know, that, that come from poor communities, you know, in which technology plays an important role mm-hmm. in the achievement of the students, you know. So then if you see these vicious cycles continuing, no, that uh, that that will stigmatize these communities in a way that be careful because the next drug dealer, no, the next shooter or someone, mm-hmm. no, is gonna come out from these type of communities. No, so breaking away from that type of stigmatism and really concentrate on the resources that these communities need in order to produce achievers mm-hmm. because they are there. It's just the fact that the resources are not being poured into yeah. these uh, schools. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. We need more resources, um, resources and more resources. Um, as someone who works in the HR field and, and knowing right now that we have really low unemployment numbers, 
there are a lot of companies that are scrambling to get associates to come work for them. And I recently read, and I can't remember where, um, that there are some major companies that are starting to look at uh, ex-felons um, and bringing them into the company. Um, so, you know, I, I would love to see companies uh, be more open um, to uh, hiring those and, and, you know, just give, give them a chance. Um, you know, if we don't give them a chance, we'll never know because they'll be stuck in that vicious cycle. Yeah, and a lot you of them know. are eager, actually, yeah. very eager to prove themselves. And I think you know, a, lot of, a lot of these um, felons can actually be productive employees. Yeah. And, well. and again, you know, it goes back to the type of rhetoric that is used in the media, okay? Um, instead, of, instead of talking about rehabilitation, you know, um, which are which I'm pretty sure you know other other centers you know that are going uh, that are dedicated to rehabilitating felons, okay, mm-hmm. that are coming out like you said, carrying creating these bridges, you know. So when they are moving back into society, in, into a community, companies are actually there waiting for them to just give them that second chance. But at the same time, you know they've already gone through the process of re- rehabilitation. They understand. They, they can they can see the problem that they that 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 they were in, and now they're coming up with a new vision, you know, with a new idea that I want to progress, I want to achieve in this particular way, and their company is willing there to invest, you know. So when you send these people back into those communities, someone can actually look at them and say, hey, I mean, this is possible. I mean, I don't have to become a felon in order to get to this position, but <laughs> I have the speaker here that is telling me I didn't have this opportunity that I am sharing with you mm-hmm. but because I am sharing this with you then you have you know one step ahead of me right. so you got to really take advantage of these excellent opportunities that are out there in making people you know speakers about uh, uh, or motivational speakers uh, using their life experiences as a teaching mechanism mm-hmm. okay. that's, that's good. good point good point Thank you. Um, so we'll see whether we're going to have a, a peaceful summer <laughs> uh, because of this improvement. We can hang out in the beautiful downtown. Oh, what a beautiful downtown. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going to I'm going to put it on my calendar to, to revisit this topic in September. <laughs> you you want to do that? Okay. We can do that. Right. We'll, we'll see what happens. Now, hopefully, um, it will be productive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be doing. careful. No. And uh, just a, a brief uh, a criticism. Sometimes you have to be very careful as to what you say in situations like this from your point of view. I mean, if your community is doing great, uh, be careful in the type of comments that you uh, put together. I like the first one where, I mean, this is the first time and we're going to continue to work this out. I mean, great, but no, this is going to make your summer much better. We'll come back next summer <laughs> yeah. to make it better yeah. again. And yeah. so we, we know the person attributed to that quote has a, a difficult time in the words that come out of his mouth. And well, we'll just yeah. leave that there. That is true. That is yeah. true. That is true. Well, let's uh, transition to our other subject for the for the day, um, we uh, le- a week and a half ago, or almost a week and a half ago, um, there was an incident at the Virginia University of Lynchburg, 
Virginia University of Lynchburg. Yeah. Did not know it existed. I did not know. Neither well, they changed their name. So, um, but they had uh, five, uh, four guys, four football players that was pulled over by the police officers in the city of Lynchburg. Um, apparently, there was a busted tail light, and um, and as they were searching the car. The police officer uh, had smelled marijuana. Well, he claims there was marijuana. And, and then based on that, they pulled all these four football players and put them on the side of the road. There was a video out on that as they was handcuffed and sit on the side of the road and going through this. And so uh, this, is, um, this is instances that uh, people call driving while black. Uh, uh, driving it. while Latino, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, driving, just driving. Period. When you just um, you just Not minding your business, business, and all of a sudden that you uh, incur something a little bit uh, horrific, in my yeah. opinion. I have a question. Um, did the search come because they smell a marijuana, or the smelling of marijuana comes be- through the search of the car? So. Because when when they were searching the car, they mm-hmm. smell a marijuana, or the excuse to search the car is because the officer smell marijuana. The excuse to search the car was that he said he smelled no. marijuana. But let's remember too, even before the quote busted taillight, he busted a U-turn, kind of like for no reason. Right. right. I mean. That's how, as my grandma would say, I'm surmising. It was for no reason that he busted the U-turn. Um, then came up with the the excuse. Um, I think there's so many problems with this, but I think one of, in reading the articles, and the I think the university's response, though, in that we're going to have a talk with these young men right. so they can conduct themselves better so it doesn't happen again. My problem is I can't change my skin. <laughs> right. And I don't think those young men could have handled themselves any better than they did. And an officer is never wrong for racial profiling. Right. <laughs> right. And, exactly. and they also, the, my understanding that um, the young man said that he pulled a gun on them. Yes. That's right. And, That's and, and right. I, I, you know, pulling by, uh, <laughs> stopping a car by the side of the road, you're pulling out guns? I for mean, a taillight. For a taillight. The, the, qu- the quote was, the reason I reach for my gun is because I smelled marijuana, the officer said. The Supreme Court says guns and drugs go together. Well, first of all, that is not true. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, his it, was, it was racial profiling. Just call it what, what it is. is. Right. Yeah. And he said he smelled marijuana because he needed probable cause to search the car Correct. because he thought he was going to find something that he could make an he arrest was hoping. on. He, yeah, he, he was, was hoping. hoping. And, and this happens all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. And all if he time. had a if, if gun is associated with drugs, then <laughs> Every gun-toting person in this state mm-hmm. uh, has drugs, right. based 
on that analogy. So I, I think that um, you know that I, you're right, Karen. I'm I'm a little irritated, and, and also it sounds like that they that we're ignorant to think you can say something like that and you honestly believe that we can actually we actually <laughs> understand. We're saying okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is yeah. ridiculous. It uh, is ridiculous for these young men, and they're college educated young men. Exactly. And they were coming back from an early morning workout, and their coach actually uh, watched them as they was at the um, as they were stopped, and and to see the, what they had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 it's, it's, yeah, it's just it's minding ridiculous. their business, you know, but not causing ahead. trouble. Go ahead. Why is it that after so much legislation on on um, racial issues, for example, you know, so much law that's been passed, we still have a problem like this one. No, 2018. Uh, you know, I we think still it's, have a problem of an individual racial profiling a group of um, uh, a group of students that are just hanging out, like you said, minding their own business, and then makes this U-turn <laughs> and said. Mm. I got something here, no. Mm-hmm. Right away only because four African American students or six African American students were in a car, you know. Well they're in a car. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're football players, so um I think the, I think <clears throat> The fear factor for the police officer basically is the reason why he had to draw weapons right. and 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 pull them to the side. You know, and that's and that's a stereotype that all, especially uh, black men and um, Latinos, so when they, if they're a large stature, um, you're threatened by that. Yeah, and that's when you go back to the training, you know, and, 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 mm-hmm. and you know more, better than I know. You, you got to go back to the training and, and, and say, where did we go wrong here that an officer, no danger whatsoever, suddenly decides to pull out a gun mm-hmm. only because he thought that he smelled marijuana. I would, I would probably go back to the training and say, here, there are five different plants here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Which of the five do you think you know smells like, 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 like marijuana? So it goes back to the training of these individuals that you have to revisit that once again mm-hmm. because you don't want this to repeat itself right. because it can... Um, it... It ended up of him just drawing the gun, but what about if things would have turned right? It could have went sideways. It could have went sideways. Only because of the fear factor. And I I think we touched Mm -hmm. upon this in in a previous program with us, you know, that if they cannot control the fear factor, Mm -hmm. then we'll have another case of an individual who just died Mm -hmm. only because a police officer could not control the fear factor. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, if you whatever happened to the day where you had a whatever happened to the day where you had a busted tail light and a police officer pulled you over and say, "You did you know your tail light was busted?" Um, and then they they might run your tag through to make sure there's no wants or warrants or mm-hmm. anything on the car, and say. And the person says, you know what, officer, I'll make sure I take care of that right away. And the officer does one of two things. 
either either gives that person a warning and say you you need to have this fixed by X date or issue the ticket. Yeah. Or either uh. one, and then let the person you know go on their way. But it takes us back to that implicit bias, the association of young black men with drugs and with guns, and that Yahoo attitude that I've seen so many times that oh I'm going to get me one today and I'm going to look good to my to my supervisors and my and I'll be able to talk about this having a beer over uh, you know having a beer after work with my buzz on how I how I you know got these young black kids and you know just that attitude oh my gosh it, it literally makes me sick to my stomach my son went through this I was with him his car broke down and the and the police officer and I, I came, the police officer pulled up and my son had a tattoo on his arm and, and two were two officers. And one of them looked at the tattoo. The tattoo wasn't anything negative. Oh, yeah, you're going to be one of the ones that end up in jail. I mean, just that negativity, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. six, it sickens me. Yeah, it, it also kind of erodes trust in yes. building relationships because... I firmly believe that, you know, the police are here to protect and serve. I mean, I think that's their role. And when you have incidents like this, it makes it really hard to trust. It makes it really hard to know that if I'm really in a jam, are they going to protect me or am I somehow going to end up on the wrong end of things? And we have to be um, very conscious and mindful of that, particularly we're here in Southwest Virginia. Um, And we need to make sure that our um, police officers are trained properly, um, know how to, you know, deal with the public. And we continue to build relationships so that police can do what it is that we want them to do, which is to protect and to serve. Building those relationships is mm-hmm. going to be building those relationships is going to be really important with the community. Um, and, and the article said that that police department reflects a lack of diversity. Um, back in 2016, the police chief said that they were looking to hire more minorities. But I know back in 2016, they had a different police chief. Uh, Lynchburg just recently got a new police chief last year, I, I believe. Yeah, so, I think I think a couple of years ago, I thought there was. Police chief was uh, Latino. When, when yes, was Latino. I actually met him yeah. at a, an event in Lynchburg yeah. that I attended, yeah. and he's uh, he's gone. Oh, he's gone. Now? I think he oh. is gone, and they've gotten someone new. I, I know we yeah. did an action. The reason why I know we did a story on him when okay. he when he was uh, was selected. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. You know, I think being an African American and 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 I've experienced being pulled over multiple times by police officers and and it's you know i i recall one instance where i um when i was in seattle i had um and you know at that time i had an i had a very nice car very nice car i'm not gonna mention what type of car but it was very <laughs> nice it was a you know well it was my pride and joy it was yes. a seven series bmw oh. and i i know it was good too yeah, I, I missed that car <laughs> however <laughs> <laughs> However, I was driving it. I was driving down an area called the Central District, and I remember I made a signal, mm-hmm. and then I was going to go to the lane. Then I decided, no, I'm going to stay in the right lane. And as soon as I did that, the police was there and pulled me over. 
And, you know, I sat on that curb for at least 30 minutes. Wow. And he just said, well, I have the right to to look and then look through your car. And I'm you know, acting like my father, which my father is is very loud. <laughs> and, and, and I'm and I'm going back and forth with him. But, you know, just the fact that, you know, he just thought something was going on. He's had that's a nice car you have. That's a nice car. Where do you get this car at? I mean, questions like that is very insulting as a citizen. And and I always ask myself, if I looked a little bit different, a little bit lighter than that, would I get those same type of questions just because I decided to signal and make a and made an inver, um, in a change of direction that I'll be pulled over to the side of the curb and have my car searched? That, yeah. th- those are the things that uh, we we have as we have to train our young men, That's our right. sons, to look for to That's do. Right. But um, otherwise, we don't. We every time we send them out, we don't know if they're going to come back. That's right. And, and, but, and that's the sad commentary sad. about all that. And what is sad about this is that, um, uh, from from that perspective of uh, training, something is not working. Mm-hmm. No, um, something in in that training experience is not working. Um, the booklet that they're using, uh, the language that they're using, the approach that they're using, right. it's not working. It is not working at all because you have the problem of race once again mm-hmm. reappearing here. That the lighter the skin, more accepting, you're <laughs> less of a criminal. Mm-hmm. The darker the skin, more marginalized, more opportunities to become a criminal. So, so then this training purposes really have to be Re, rethink in a way that the message is going to get across to these people that if there is a broken tailgate light, well, just communicate with the people. You know, something you have a broken tailgate, uh, tailgate light. Uh, do you have your proper documentations with you? you no, know, if you don't have your license, it's your uh, ticketed. But don't assume that because they are darker skin right away, you know, they are involved in some sort of criminal activity. So then the issue of race and attitude, I think when you do the training, you really have to uh, uh, tackle those two, those two aspects, you know, race and attitude, because this is, a, a, this is also a problem of attitude in part of the mm-hmm. police officer. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's that, I call it the Yahoo attitude. Ex- that's yes. my own terminology, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. that's what I call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one, one last thing. <laughs> what you brought up, Robert, about being stopped in your own car because you had a nice car. Last year, there was a, a an incident in Chicago, near Chicago, I think it was, where the um, engineering student he was a phd student at northwestern university they pulled him over because he was driving a nice car and they thought that he stole the car and they punched him and told him they were, that he was lucky that they didn't shoot him i just you know this is not just here in southwest virginia this is in every city in every state in, 
in this country and on a ironic, daily basis. Yeah, ironically, is in Evanston and and in Evanston, and, yeah. Evanston, and mm-hmm. um, I actually went through my um, my executive management training at Northwestern. I know Evanston, mm-hmm. and Evanston, um, the people in Evanston do not look like me <laughs> <laughs> at all, so at you all. Know what I'm so about. I know yes. exactly, especially once you go outside that campus, uh, it's like uh, another dimension. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is really is. I just mean, like you the, the, the twilight yeah, yeah. zone, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's an island dude. in itself. It's an, it, it truly is. And uh, I stayed on campus, <laughs> and I would take the train into Chicago and get me some deep dish, uh, deep dish pizza. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like when they ask me, you know, um, where do I work, and um, I I tell them that I work at Ronald College. Right away, they they think that I'm in landscaping or something. No, and then I said, no, no, I teach in a modern language. Oh, oh, you do. Oh wow! Oh, I I get that. (laughs) When when I worked at Roanoke College in the '90s, there were two black people who did not work uh, in the kitchen. That was myself and another lady, Ruby Jean, who worked in HR at the time. She's retired. Other than that. Every other person of color uh, worked in the kitchen, and that was it. Well, they have assumptions about mm-hmm. different ethnicities. I mean, yeah. you know, like you, you talked about landscaping. Um, you know, you see an African-American male in a suit, they think you're a preacher. Uh, I, I mean, here in Roanoke, there's a been driver. Se- yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a driver. Yeah, a driver. There's been several occasions I'll be, you know— Standing in line somewhere, and they and they will say, uh, "Are you a preacher?" And and I've talked to several uh, friends here who say the same thing. I'm just wearing a suit, man. <laughs> I, I could be a professional. And what's so interesting about it too is how you, uh, especially black men, how you present yourselves. You know, uh, it was a time when I was in Seattle, and I'll I'll wrap this up. I was in Seattle, and I was at work. I used I, I wore contacts. I still oh, wear yeah. contacts. And so when I didn't walk around with glasses, you know, people look at you and present and look at you differently. And, you know, I'm a big six foot two. Um, you know, I could lose a couple pounds, and but 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 they look at me differently. Yeah. They look at me differently, and then yeah. so but I, when I put on glasses, they they think for some reason they tames me and, yes. and it makes me more. You know, I don't know. Maybe look. Maybe I do look mm. more educated. <laughs> you know, it's just it's those assumptions. It's those assumptions. And bias. How many times did you have uh, somebody uh, white walking down the street and they see you and they cross the street? To the other side. Exactly. I mean, how many times does that happen? And God forbid you know? if you wear sweats somewhere yeah. in, in an area that you're not supposed to be, and they they think something else. And so we can we can yeah. have this conversation. Oh my going gosh! On. We can, we'll, we'll we can have to, a whole segment we'll be on here this to episode. Racism. And order yeah, dinner, yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we're going to get started here today. I see. Um, so, but let's move on. Let's yeah. let's talk a little bit um, about on a national front. Um, the uh, uh, United States, or I always say Trump, <laughs> basically. Right, don't put that on the <laughs> Trump uh, has decided to cut off aid uh, to El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras, um, and, and they're cutting the aid of almost $500 million 
Um, the Trump, um, it's hard for me to say President Trump, but uh, Trump um, has, has said that he is actually going to close the borders as well. So I, I, I guess the question is, do, is, there, is there really a uh, immigration um, crisis I mean, yeah, I know he's already called it a national emergency. Yeah, but is it, is it really a crisis? No, um, there are 13 million undocumented workers or people in the United States from different countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, most of them, the majority, um, uh, you know, turn of the 21st century, have been coming from Central America, and we know why. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Mexico will always. You no, know, you have always people coming back and forth because it's 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 a neighbor. Seventy seventy five percent of those undocumented, probably maybe like seven or eight million of them. Okay, so they are overstay visas. Mm-hmm. They come with a visa to the United States and they overstay that that visa. You're you're talking about the other four or five million who have been here for. Uh, quite some time already, okay? And those are the ones that have probably, you know, um, <clears throat> crossed the border uh, undocumented, okay? So your numbers are, are very small in comparison to a couple of decades ago that you really had, you know, if, uh, a big number of people coming in. So numbers have been decreasing, and the research actually shows you that, that, that the numbers have been decreasing. Um, what you see in nowadays and how the media is exploding that is exploiting yeah, that. I agree. It's really and what he um, um, now Trump uses this work that there's an invasion, you know, yes. um, uh, <clears throat> of of undocumented people. It's really not that big of a problem right. whatsoever. You know, it's very normal to uh, 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 to to a degree. But what is interesting is that. Um, uh, the effect of him cutting aid to these three Central American countries, which 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 they are called the Northern Triangle, right. okay, they are your countries that suffer the most uh, conflicts mm-hmm. perpetrated by the um, uh, U.S. foreign policy mm-hmm. in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Right. Okay, Guatemala, your thirty civil, uh, your thirty-year civil war. No, per- perpetuated by the multinational companies, uh, especially uh, North American companies, uh, a U.S. U.S. companies there. Um, uh, Honduras has always been the military base to overthrow governments in Central America, and El Salvador, the same thing. You know, uh, the uh, U.S. training or the CIA training of um, soldiers to go ahead and commit atrocious acts of of of, of a murder against their own people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have three nations that have suffered so much because of U.S. foreign policy through the process of democratization in the '90s. These countries cannot recover at all. They can recover. So you enter the stages of the 21st century, the first decade, poverty plays a huge role there. Mm-hmm. So if you have states or countries that cannot, um, still cannot come out of those 20, 30 years that they suffered through, like Guatemala, 15 years in El Salvador, uh, Honduras being used as a military base to overthrow these governments. Okay, if these countries cannot cannot recover from those problems, what is going to happen? Your 
people from the rural areas, your poor people are going to be the first ones right. that are going to be looking for a way out. Yeah. Okay. So do you think, do, uh, do you think Trump, I, I personally think Trump is doing this to kind of escalate this immigration issue because what you just said, the rural, the rural poor people will, will try to get away from this and they're going to, and they're going to increase the amount of traffic into the U.S. I, I just think that's my conspiracy writers cutting the fun. That's what I'm thinking. I might be wrong. No, I, I mean, it falls into it falls into the narrative that he has um, put out there, and it's creating this fear of um, people of color, of brown people who speak a different language that um, is foreign to him. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't understand that. Um, it also speaks to the lack of humanity that exists because we all know um, what's happening in those three countries and has been happening. And whether or not we want to accept the role that we've played in what's happened um, is kind of beside the point. But this narrative that he's painted um and not him by himself. I mean, the people around him that support him, they painted this narrative. And for whatever reason, there is a segment of our population that's falling for it hook, line, and sinker. Because it's very easy to fear the unknown. It's very easy to fear people who look different than you or talk differently, um, whose culture and customs are different. And what he's doing is trying to rile up that fear to cause harm. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it doesn't cause just harm to them. It causes harm to us. And can you imagine, for example, um, when, when he, when he says, or when he used to say, they're not sending their best. If, if you look at, if you pull the best from every country, what do you think that's going to happen? Your immigration flow is going to triple. Mm-hmm. Cutting aid to this Central American country, well, get ready. If if if, if a caravan of two thousand are coming forward when you're not cutting aid, mm-hmm. when you cut aid, there's going to be a a, a caravan of six mm-hmm. or eight thousand coming forward. And I think that's what justifies. I think that's how he's justified his reasoning now of an invasion. I think he's actually trying to create this in some ways. But but and 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 and, and he goes, I think, a, a step further here. Not just the fact that he wants to cut aid, you know, that I don't think is going to be possible, to be honest with you. Um, it no, is just, yeah. uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just big talk. Yeah, it has it's to big be talk, you know, like, for mm-hmm. example, that yeah. uh, be, before we, uh, the Republicans have the best, you know, uh, hair care program. Now we're going to wait until 2020. Mm-hmm. Wait for us and I'm going to show you, you know, that mm-hmm. is best. No? Yeah. It's the same thing here, you know, that um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to open my mouth. And I'm pretty sure someone in the government told them, hey, make sure that your mouth mm-hmm. stays shut because you can't really be saying that, that there's a program <laughs> here already. Yeah. Well, but now you're going to show it up to 2020. No. Um, if you pull smart people from these nations to bring in, you're actually multiplying the problem. Exactly. The same thing is going to happen with this approach. It, exactly. And, um, you know, James Brown once said, talking loud and saying nothing. You know, that's... Um, <laughs> 
that's Trump's. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you just you know, I quoted James Brown, the, the man who screams in the microphone, but uh, talking loud and saying nothing. And and uh, so he's all he's just a bunch of steam. It's just, uh, you know, he wants to. And then, Karen, you, you talked about the people who who follow what he say, says and, and believe in what he says. And, and I truly believe you could present these people with all the evidence in the world about the things that he does and he they're still going to believe in him it's called cognitive dis- dissonance um it, you, you could present all the truths in the world and and they're still going to follow behind this man um you know it, it's obvious that he has something against people of color you know he called certain countries s-hole countries uh you know when he was talking about immigration yeah. people coming over from the um certain african countries or uh, uh-huh. or, and uh i, I do <clears throat> believe he is creating um this frenzy, um, he, he, it's all about chaos with him. Everything that he does um, has to be chaotic, um, you know, kicking up the dust. And um, he's, he's going to create this thing and say, look, I told you so. Look at all these people now. They're running, you know, to this country. It's, it's a madhouse. We've, we've got to stop these people at the border. And now he wants to penalize Mexico for not holding them back from getting to to the border yeah it's just i can't wait to 2020 (laughs) (laughs) well you know um i always like to look to our better angels um and i think that there are i'm hoping um i'm hopeful that through this um because in thinking about cutting off the aid to these countries is going to be detrimental economically to us yes in the United States. So that's detrimental. His talk right now of closing the, the border, which, um, you know, some people say he's blowing smoke. Um, I do not doubt that he will do that. Like, I think he will, he will try. Um, ultimately, it won't amount to a lot. But the economic damage that he's going to do to us. I think it said it was going to cost, a, even the United States Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. has come out and talked about um, how it will hurt us economically. I think in the billions Yeah, there are billions of I mean, dollars that are flowing because of NAFTA. Billions yeah. of dollars. Well, and yeah. that's what happens when you have a president that doesn't doesn't strategize, who just, just says a, things. Just knee-jerk. You know, <laughs> yeah, knee-jerk I just wake up and I just want to close and, the And this is what yeah. I'm going to do, yeah. you know, that that big you know bold statement you know he he's like the bigger type of Yahoo that I was talking about. Yeah, he's a but big bully. I mean, he, yeah. he is. But I also think I I think that in many ways he is very strategic because at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that he has said and done and tried to push through that is has been halted because it can. I mean, it's it's against. <clears throat> whatever piece it's against or there's someone hopefully that kind of stops him and he's also he he blows um, a lot of smoke but I think he's strategic because he always wants to take our focus away from something bigger right Mm -hmm. Um, he's strategic because the chaos in which he likes to exist um, he wants us to exist and he throws us into chaos um, consistently um, Every day. He has given this rise to rhetoric <clears throat> that um, I don't think will ever be passed, but it seems to be even worse. And I think he thrives in that and doesn't recognize the role 
that he plays in it, but I, I believe he does it purposefully, just like we were talking about what Fox News called the um, the, the three countries in Mexico. Yeah, right? the, the three Mexican countries. Yeah, the three Mexican <laughs> countries. So that's purposeful. They know what they're doing yeah. in saying that because they're working towards demonizing Mexico, mm-hmm. um, who was our neighbor. Like Canada is our neighbor. Right. They are our neighbors. We should be working hand in hand. Um, no one's ever going to agree, but all of this mm-hmm. is strategic to take our country um, to a place that we don't want to be, and we're going to have to work even harder to make sure that these things don't happen. And then there's the good strategy and the bad strategy. Exactly. There's the strategy towards something good, and then the strategy towards creating the chaos, and that's that's what he's doing. Well, it's like, for example, no... um, if you if if you send or if your American companies are going in this case to Mexico, no, supposedly the NAFTA agreement in 1994 mm-hmm. was to uh, better the wages of Mexican workers, and the history tells you that mm-hmm. it's more of exploitation and companies get richer. Yeah. But if in good faith, you know, these companies go there. In, I mean, in a utopian world, no, if these companies really follow the agenda that. Um, well, we have an issue, you know, we have people trying to cross the border because countries are not doing well, you know, economically. Well, let's go there and um, we know they get paid maybe $3 a day or $4 a day. Well, what about if we pay them maybe like $15 a day, maybe $20 a day? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's like taking a penny out of a dollar of these companies, no? Mm-hmm. That will really make a big difference for the people there. But if, you, but if you send this company, if these companies go to the Northern Corridor in Mexico, which is the maquila, maquiladora industry, and you start hiring people for $2 an hour or maybe for $6 a day, something like that, people are going to say, well, in terms of network, okay, I have a couple of people that are working in the construction or in a, um, uh, uh, in a uh, company over there, you know, uh, uh, meat meat packing company and they're making ten dollars an hour. Hmm, well, from two dollars an hour to ten, wow, man, that's about four or six hundred mm-hmm. percent increase on my wage. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go try it out yeah. Yeah. because here I'm only getting paid two dollars an hour and that's not enough for me. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we'll we'll see what what happens as um, Trump uh, continues to make noise <laughs> and um, lots, of, lots of noise. I'm just saying we, you know, Virginia is elections. We are gearing up for presidential campaigns. And my piece is I want everyone to listen like critically, like take the opportunity to hear what everyone has to say, but then look at your own pocketbook. Right. So it was his rhetoric. Is it making your life better or worse? Mm-hmm. Um, I will gander to say it's making your life worse. Um, well, 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 speaking of that real quick, um, I know uh, we're we're to our next to the last um, season on our podcast. Uh, we'll have our finale um, uh, pretty soon. But real quick, um, have you guys been watching the, the Democrat um, uh, candidates out on on the uh, on the stomping ground. Yes. Um, have any has anyone um, has gained any interest to you at all? Uh, no, I I guess my learning lesson here is that if you're going to launch yourself into the public sphere 
or into the political sphere, make sure that your background <laughs> is clean as possible. Because a lot of yeah. stuff is coming yeah. up and you better be ready to and, face and it. And that's well. why I'm not going into politics. <laughs> right? I keep telling people my kindergarten teacher may come out and say something crazy. Well, um, I tried and the arrows was, was still going <laughs> at me. Oh, even on a, on a, I wouldn't say small scale, but at, the, at that level level but right. for as far as presidential candidates anyone has any I haven't made a full decision on anyone um, really um, I know the you know Kamala Harris is, yes is, yes, yes um, I'm you know I'm I'm looking at her a little bit more closely um, interesting enough um, and uh, was uh, the gentleman, how you say his name? Buttigieg. Buttigieg. I Buttigieg. love him. The mayor. The mayor. You know. The mayor. Mayor Pete. Yeah, I, Mayor Pete. I, I seen a couple of his interviews. Love will change everything. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah love will change everything. Is that right? That's his rhetoric. Well, he's made some great points. Um, hey. he, he really has made some great points. And how you need he, some new approaches here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you do. Um, I think he's he's definitely a person on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he can really win nationally. I mean, I think that's a good question. But however, he is he's gathering steam. But you know, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Right. And and you know, people get excited. You know, in out the gate. Mm-hmm. And you know, that always said, "Oh, the tortoise and the hare." Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, I'm 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 a little curious how much steam is he going to last yeah. through this entire cycle. Um, because I, I think it's hard. Yeah, it, it is hard. I mean, you've, got, hard. you've got the top runner right now who hasn't even entered the race, <laughs> who's leading in the polls, <laughs> but first who is, to who's clean. facing uh, some, <laughs> excuse me, some adversity. It's interesting, all these different personalities and backgrounds. And, um, <laughs> you know, you've got Kamala and Pete and, and Beto and, Corey Booker. Uh, and Booker mm. and uh, Bernie. And it, it's too early for me to even to say. I'm just watching everything yeah. really closely yeah. right now. I'm going to say I'm loving the diversity of, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Because I think there's um, diversity, um, not just black, white, Latino, but in their voices, mm-hmm. um, in their backgrounds, mm-hmm. you know, how they're um, coming to this. They're all super interested in how do we go forward and how do we address, you know, a lot of the things that are um, ailing our society, but then also what's good and then how do we build on, you know, what's good and what's going on. And so I'm not for... I'm not for anyone right now. I know who I'm not for, but I'm not for anyone right now, but I'm looking forward to um, what's going to happen. We have a couple more people that um, are about to uh, make a decision. Although I get confused. Like, I didn't know Beto, like, just officially announced the other day. Like, I thought he did that a few weeks ago. Well, so, he, like, the exploratory campaign and then the official launch, I'm all confused about. It was a pre-launch. Oh, <laughs> a oh so he was pre-gaming <laughs> yeah, before was the pre, big game. It was a pre-launch. Whatever happened okay. to the, uh, the guy who owns Starbucks? I haven't heard much from him lately. Yeah. Like, oh, Howard Schultz? Oh, I think yeah. he's going to fade uh, Again, I think he, he's already <laughs> faded. I, I think he's <laughs> faded. That's what I'm thinking also, that um, I think 
to a certain point, these candidates really have to take a deep look, you know, at, uh, as to what they're doing. And uh, if they're not going to be a strong contender, just step down, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just move aside. Yeah. And, get the uh, ego out of the way. Well, yeah, yeah. Get the ego, the ego out of the way. Yeah. Move it yeah. out of the way. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm thinking here of um, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I love her to death, but um, <laughs> that tug of war that she has had in the past, you know, with uh, Trump, I, I just fear that that's going to continue and you cannot enter. I, and I think the uh, the next candidate here must be really intelligent into not get into a fist fight or a struggle, no, a tug of war with uh, Trump. Well, well, Otherwise, I, I'm, 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 I'm talking about that because Trump knows how to play this game. He does. He, he knows, how, knows to how to play this game. Oh, yes, oh, he, he knows does. how to do but That's he, his but, you, but you have to, but you got to, you have to have some type of I call grit yeah, yeah, that when you have to deal with him. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't We have what's called the to, uh, the uh, slap with the white glove, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I say, you know, you really have to be intelligent. I mean, you can insult someone by 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 being intelligent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. one of the best weapons is to ignore, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to a certain degree. Well, you see what he did to Hillary in the in the in the um, debates, mm-hmm. you know. He just, I mean, disrespected her, overtook what she was saying. He knows how to fight that fight. That's one thing he knows how to do really well. Is is to he know, fight he knows and how to do a backyard punches. backyard yeah, brawl. Exactly. And I think you need to have a candidate who is intelligent, who'll mm-hmm. be able to talk about the issues. But mm-hmm. when sometimes, you know, in and unfortunately in society People want to see a good fight. <laughs> Reality TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, I, that tells I a lot about a, about our society. Yeah, it is. It is. Really, it is. It is. It is. If you're really looking is. for that, I mean, yeah, I agree. <laughs> right. see, I'm, gonna... I'm much better with an, intel- an intelligent fight. Like I don't like. I'm not a fan of like name calling. I'm not a fan of. Um, Attacking people's looks or their families, I, I prefer that you fight with your smarts. You know, um, I just think that is so important. I think that the person that we have at the top is what we want to see. Okay, so. um, real quick. Only thing I like to say on that is, um, you know, the newspapers are written for on the level of fifth grade level. Yeah. That's how newspapers write their stories. So um, it just tells you what type of. Uh, uh, America that we're uh, we're reaching. Like I said, I like to see a little mm-hmm. bit deeper reporting uh, when it comes to some of these articles that we read locally. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. so as we conclude um, this uh, segment, I wanted to all of you guys to get your thoughts. Uh, what's going on? What are you looking forward to this week, um, Jose? What are you? What are your thoughts? So, what are you looking forward to this week? Well, um, I'm going to change my strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking looking at this week to actually spend more time with my kids. You know, um, uh, I feel that I am connecting more and more because you no know, due, due due to my job and uh, my commitment. Sometimes you know it's very difficult. So I want to set aside everything, put it aside, and really concentrate on. Aww. Just enjoying time and being a father with my children. That's nice. Oh, that's good. That's good. Family is important. That's nice. Family yeah. is important. Yeah, thank you, Jose. Um, Karen, what are you looking forward to for this week? 
Oh, Karen Cobb. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I forgot there's two Karens. There's two in the Karens room. here today. Okay. Um, I, I really didn't have anything specific um, that I was looking forward to this week. Um, it just, just continuing to, uh, you know, follow the news cycles and, uh, you know, see what's coming up. Um, either there's a big interest in what happened with the Nipsey hustle uh, yeah, going on. It, that was very tragic. A lot of conversation about that, and I've been been somewhat following that as well. But um, you know, I've, I've been very busy in my personal life with work and. Um, you know, getting ready to make this transition to uh, go to Florida for a month or so. So that's that's all I have. Okay. Uh, Ms. Jones? So I'm looking forward to my nothing weekend, right? Like, I don't have anything that I have to do. So I'll be binge watching everything on my list. <laughs> It's <laughs> really, unfortunately, it really is. It really is a big list. And so I'm just looking forward to enjoying the weekend. I think it's going to be pretty. Um, so spend some time outside and um, try not to get upset at whatever crazy things going to happen in the news because I know something crazy is going to happen. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And I'm, I'm looking forward to actually a peaceful week. Uh, peaceful weekend as well. I am saddened by the death of Nipsey mm-hmm. uh, Hussle. Um, you know, I listened to some of his music. I didn't listen to all of it. And um, however, his activities outside of the music industry is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that he's doing, especially you know, entrepreneurship, uh, economic development. Um, you know, some of the things he's saying, I really am aligned to with. And um, I'm, it's saddened that. Uh, he's passed, and I hope, I hope in the city of uh, Los Angeles that they continue those dialogue that he created, especially mm-hmm. with the gang violence Absolutely. as well. He was in conversation with another rapper, the Game, and, and well, who is uh, Blood, and he's he's affiliated affiliated with the Crips, and he was trying to form some kind of. Um, uh, unity around that and so I, I, I hope they continue to do that and I hope they keep the vision of economic especially uh, that black dollar staying in the community mm-hmm. and making it stays within our community that's, um, and that's important and um, and I think we need to teach our kids more about that importance of ownership mm-hmm. and, 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 and and so how to save and, all, and you know how to save their money and you yeah. know breaking that that cycle of financial the, dependence yeah, on the and government. Generational, yeah. yeah, and a generational weft that needs to be perpetuated. Mm-hmm. So I hope that happens, and and we'll we'll hopefully we'll follow more about um, the the person that they now are looking for. Uh, people actually, I know there's one person they identified, mm-hmm. but there's others out there that they're trying to um, to capture. So I I hope they find them soon. So thank all of you for uh, for this uh, for this session, and thank I appreciate you. thank you and thank Karen you so Karen Jones. Thank you for pitch pitch hitting for us. Thanks, and it's always that. a pleasure. All right, yes. good. And thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening to our voices, our community presented by Colors VA Magazine. If you like what you've heard today, leave us a review. Be sure to like Colors VA on Facebook and Colors VA Mag on Instagram and Twitter. Be one of the first to hear our voices, our community, by signing up for our Colors VA newsletter. Visit our website at www.colorsvamag.com.
Namaste. Namaste.